Welcome back to NAF Radio. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Mac Tucker. And I'm Jordan Peterson. Hey, Mac. Hey, Jordan. We got a pretty big week going on. Huge week. You want to know what's going on? I got a new job. You got a new job? Mm Mm-hmm. You know that. We got an election going on. What? Yeah. Who's running? Uh, Let's see. There's a guy and then another guy. Okay. Okay. I'm interested. Keep going. And then with one of the guys, there's another guy. And then with the other guy, there's a girl. Oh, okay. 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 So I think that's pretty cool. Okay. Well, how do I vote? What do I do? Mm, You register. Uh, Um, Okay. You know, depending on your state, registration, early registration might be done. Mm. But you can always register at the polls on Tuesday, November 3rd. Um, if you can't hear, left says in the background, but she, she's not old enough to vote. She's not old enough to vote. She wishes though. Um, and you know, you just, you go fill out this thing and just tell people who you like more. Um, but I heard that sometimes they make it kind of hard to vote. Is that true? Like what if I want to vote, but like, it's kind of hard. I mean, yes, there are difficulties to it. But it's it's just what we got to do. It's our voice. We just got to get out there and let people hear us. Do you think people died for our right to vote? Totally. No. I mean, that's what this this next podcast is all about, too. Not that anybody that we know have has died, but we have a very special part one to our Veterans Day podcast. Very special. Who's in it? Um, we have... Two of Mac's really great friends, Martin and Rico. Oh, yeah. That's right. They're good friends. They're really great friends. And we can't wait for you guys to give it a listen. Yeah, we've got some other stuff, too. We've got my very good friends, Jessica and Cody Potts. They're going to talk to us about uh, the dichotomy of being in the Navy, both active duty and as the spouse of someone that's active duty. And we were also very, very lucky to have uh, Miss Tracy Gwynn on the show, mm-hmm. who is an Army veteran. And then my very favorite person that I've ever interviewed in my entire life, you. Me? You. Our dog better get it together before I pop her mm-hmm. right on that nose. Where is that dog? Outside. Is she... Knocking at the door and scratching like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. She is. She's that excited to hear the episode, so let's give it a listen. Oh, yeah. Oh, happy Veterans Day, mofos. Happy Veterans Day. We appreciate each and every one of you. We salute you. All right, so um, tell us a little bit about, we want to know first the origins of when you joined the service. How old were you when you went in, and why did you go in? Um... I went in when I was 23 years old. Um, I started to do the, 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 the paperwork and stuff to process in. When I was 22 years old, I wasn't supposed to dep out until September of 2013. Um, but my recruiter actually called me and told me that there was an opening earlier than that. And when I asked him, he said, it's going to be August 7th. I was like, that's my birthday <laughs> he's like well you can take it or you can wait until september and at the time um i was just ready to go um i had i finished everything i i processed everything i believe in march i was waiting about four or five months um at that point i was just very anxious to head out and, and really start 
uh, my time in the military. So I actually I accepted it. Um, I went in, and one of the reasons why, well, there's multiple reasons why I joined. Uh, during the time, I actually was, I walked, the first time I walked into a recruiting office was when I was 19 years old. I walked in with my dad. Uh, my dad was actually a recruiter for uh, 22 years in the Navy. Oh, shit. And, uh, and he was stationed up here in Minnesota. He ended up retiring out of here. Um, I ended up living with him here for about a year. Uh, and he decided to uh, retire and, and want to know if I wanted to join. I walked in a recruiting office, got cold feet, didn't go. He retired, moved back to Chicago with my mom and my sister. I ended up staying here in Minnesota. Uh, um, I ended up living with roommates at the time. And uh, everything started going well, you know. Uh, and, and then it, I was 22 years old. I believe it was the beginning of of 2000, what, 2012, partying all the time, you know what I mean, smoking, drinking, you know, doing literally what a college student was doing, but I wasn't in school. One night I just decided to, they're partying all down in the basement. I decided to just take a break from everything and I was in my room. Um, I was watching House of Cards on my laptop and I was actually smoking a bowl. <laughs> yeah, I still remember, and I was remembering this night and I don't know what episode it was, but it actually hit me. And I was like, I'm 22 years old. If I would have stayed in college, I would have graduated already. Like, how long am I going to keep this up? And how many, you know, because I was living with three, four other roommates in the townhome. And I was like, how long am I going to keep this up for? How long do I want this? You know, so I actually turned off the show and started looking up uh, uh, different branches and stuff like that. I contacted my dad the next day, told him about it. Um, so when our lease was up, uh, uh, I was already processing for the paperwork. I even convinced one of my roommates, um, uh, to join as well. Oh shit. And I still remember that night. Yeah. I actually remember that night also because we we're drinking conjor, which is a, 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 like a whiskey brandy. Yeah. And uh, I told him about, Hey, I'm not going to renew a lease with you guys. I'm going to, uh, uh, process in the Navy. And I was like, you guys should really think about it. And his response was like, he's like, what the hell? Like, why would I do that? I love my life. So I was like, well, this is what's going on. This is the benefits. This is what, you know, you can actually work towards. And um, what they didn't know was I actually developed a lot of debt. I'm not, well, financial aid debt, you know, because I was in school yeah, yeah. at the time. And, and I ended up dropping out twice because I switched my major twice. So I told him about that. He ended up joining. He walked in a recruiting office before me, actually, before I leased and into an Air Force office. Uh, they were back then, they were about a year out, so he didn't want to wait that long. Uh, he ended up walking to the uh, uh, Navy recruiting and he joined as well as a CS. Oh, shit. And I okay. believe right now he's still he's still a CS2 down in Jacksonville. What, what is a CS for all the people at home? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, yeah. So a CS is pretty much like a, it's a culinary specialist, I guess you want to call it. Uh, he was a cook for Fairview Hospital. Here uh, and he he loved it, so he ended up becoming a culinary specialist in the Navy. And I believe right now he's cooking for officers down at the base in um, uh, down in Jacksonville, and he's loving it. Oh. Uh, he, he I think he's going to make it a career. Uh, he's good for it. He has the patience for it. But going back to to my and yeah, I I decided to join. I couldn't just sit there and keep doing the same thing. I was like, you know, just join. 
Um, because my time, if I, if I don't want to get out, I mean, if I don't want to make it a career, I can get out and go back to school. Uh, so while I was in, I was able to actually pay off the debt that I accumulated from financial aid from my previous time at school. What was your, um, what was the first moment in the Navy that you had where you were like, okay, I'm here, I'm in the military. What was your welcome to the Navy moment? It was actually my first day in boot camp. So, but my first <laughs> Wake up call was literally Reveille, and I don't know if, if the viewers are listening. You know, Reveille is is probably the worst wake up call you can have or you can imagine. And the thing is, like, we fell asleep like around. I think we we finished everything around ten or eleven. Recruiters came in, banging on the doors, banging on the floors, screaming Reveille, Reveille mm. at two a.m. in the morning, and we all jumped out of our racks, which is pretty much our bunk beds. And we didn't know what was going on. They were telling us to get ready. You know, we have to get hurry up, get ready. So I rushed to the bathroom, started brushing my teeth. And then they told us it's a false alarm. <laughs> so that was pretty much like my first wake up call slash hazing. <laughs> yep. And they said, nope, just messing around. Go back to sleep. And of course, me not being uh, that much of a heavy sleeper, it took me about another hour to go back to sleep. And, uh, yeah, that was my first, uh, my, my first wake up call right there, literally. And it was not the best, uh, but that was the first time I actually questioned myself, like, why the hell did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> what was the nastiest thing you saw in, uh, in the service, whether it was a boot camp bathroom or maybe it was even a, a bathroom on the ship? The bathroom at boot camp wasn't that bad. Um, our, actually our, 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 he was a chief at the time. Uh, he was very piped on, on, on cleanliness. So our bathrooms were pretty much clean, uh, the majority of the time. So the bathrooms on the boat, on the, on the actual aircraft carrier was by far the worst. I mean, half the time the toilets are flooding, uh, there's piss all over the seat. Even if you find a clean one and you're sitting on there, they're both locked back and forth. Then you got like freaking turds rolling back and forth back on your, like, it's just the worst. But nastiest thing I say still to this day is having like 50, 60 men, you know, they're all washing their skivvies. And if you guys know what skivvies are, it's pretty much like whitey tighties or it is whitey tighties. And I have never seen so many streak marks in my life. Like you're talking like not just trails, but there's been whitey tidy to where it seems like they just threw in a pile of mud and took it out. Like it is absolutely disgusting, but it was one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had. And I, I good thing it was only eight weeks. <laughs> do you know, uh, do you know which division was responsible for the bathroom uh, for your birthing? No. I don't, we did have like a group that took care of the bathroom. So we pretty much split work. Like, okay, you four guys are, 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 are take care of the bathroom. We have one person, uh, wash the scuttle butt, which is a water fountain to make sure that was clean. And, um, yeah, every, we, we assigned everybody. We had a pretty good group of guys. I would say, um, I really had nothing to compare it to cause I only went through it once. I only had one division, but, um, 
from the stories that I've heard from others, I, I think I lucked out. What was, uh, was there anything that you liked about deployments? I mean, I know they're dirty and they're cluttered and you're working 12 hour days, but for the eight months that you're out, was there anything you enjoyed while you were gone? Well, um, I would say as far as the work goes, I, I, I enjoyed, I mean, the, the stuff like seeing the different countries and all that. I mean, that's, of course, that's, that's always fun, you know, going out, getting some free time and actually exploring. That's always a good time. But me personally, I enjoyed the work. Um, I came in when, uh, the ship was in Dupia, which is pretty much their maintenance period. And, um, that's the work I didn't enjoy, which is a bunch of like laying down non-skid, painting, cleaning, getting all these spaces ready, uh, for deployment. So to actually, wake up and do my job that I signed up for, uh, working on skids, doing maintenance, you know, uh, damage control, petty officer work, working on air, filter, air filters, bombs, learning about fuses. That's what I probably enjoyed most because I'm doing something that I chose to do. What was the scariest moment you ever had? Did you ever have a shit your pants moment while you were working? Um, yes. So, um, Checking mags, you know how we do a check, check checking temps, uh-huh. and um, if they don't close the the walk, uh, what do they call the, the the catwalk, which is pretty much the outside walkways of the ship, um, and trying to go walk through that when there's high, when it's heavy winds and heavy uh, waves, it gets it gets very very intimidating. Or even when they do close the catwalk and you want to take a peek outside. I mean, watching this shit go through a storm in the middle of the ocean, and it's just rocking back and forth. You know, it, it gets pretty intimidating. It gets it gets nerve wracking. But once you settle down and you're able to sleep, my God, it's the best that you'll ever receive in your life. Yeah. But then again, um, shit your pants moments. Um, you know, I hate to bring it up, but um, suicide watches. You know, it it, it, it becomes a uh, it becomes a real thing. Dear John letters, yeah. you know, um, wives, girlfriends, contacting them through emails, telling them like it's over or like, Hey, I want a divorce. I'm taking the kids. I can't do this anymore. You know, we had a suicide watch in, oh, in, 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 in our division towards the end of deployment. The guy literally got caught in the bathroom, taking a wire brush to his wrist. Wow. You know, and oh then he was on that. Uh, we also heard, uh, as far as the, um, I forgot what rate it was, but he was part of the squadron and um, he was walking towards uh, the bird. He had this blank stare on his face, and the master chief noticed mm-hmm. it, and he was literally about to walk into the jet. Now she had to pull him back. It gets, yeah, it gets, it gets very scary. It gets, it, and the thing is, you don't realize it, and you know you hear about these stories, but you don't want to. You really don't want to indulge in it. I would say because if you get caught up in that, you know it's just going to swallow you up. Mm. So you almost just put that in the back of your head, you know, and you got to keep pushing forward. But that's when you start developing like the PTSD and the mental health because there's you become succumb to just sucking it. I mean, putting everything, just storing it away, you know, literally in a folder. Uh, for later on, and it doesn't help at all. So it's yeah, it, it, it's real. Suicide in the military is real. Um, no matter what branch, no matter what job, you you, you hear it all. Man, I'm looking at uh, 
the uh, VA health statistics right now. It says 16 veterans a day commit suicide. Yeah, it's, it's very disturbing numbers, you know, and I don't believe it's talked about enough. Um, and I'm not just trying to single out the military, but I think suicide in general, as far as the human race, you know, I, I believe that the numbers are just staggered. It's, 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 it's scary. It's a good help. Wow, that's huge, man. We're going to have to uh, move on to some of our other interviews because we got a couple okay. here for Veterans Day. But uh, is there anything yeah. else you want to say right before you get off or anything you want to shout out before you hop off? No, I think, no, no, this was great. No, like I said, thank you for having me. Um, hey, if you ever want to talk football, definitely I'm your man. You let me know. But uh, shout out to all the veterans out there. Um, like I said, if you, you know, you need to seek any help. You need to contact anyone. There are so many programs. There's so many resources out there. Please utilize them. Quick Google search. You know, go to your local VA and they'll push you in the right direction. But other than that, please take, continue to take care of yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much, Martin. We appreciate you calling in, man. Okay. All right, Mac Attack. Join Fadeaway right. Swish. I'll see y'all later. All right, brother. <laughs> Bye, we'll talk Martin. to you soon. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right, everybody. That was Martin Yim. Uh, good buddy of mine. Actually, didn't even know him while I was in the service. I met him when I moved here to Minneapolis and then uh, some guy kind of hooked us up and we hung out and we've been been big buddies ever since. That was pretty cool. We're going to take a little break here and then uh, after that we're going to show you another veteran, another great American. Hey, Mr. Armstrong, welcome to NAF Radio. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Doing just swell. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your service experience? You joined in 2010, right? Yeah. What made you join the Navy? So, uh, essentially, like I graduated from well, had graduated from college in 2008. Um, and I was interested in becoming a criminal psychologist, but um, I had uh, about Seventy thousand dollars in student loans, and like I had started going to grad school for psychology and working like sixty hours a week. You know, this isn't going to work. I really didn't like my job. I mean, it paid well, but uh, I was basically working just to stay afloat, and I was always tired. So, um, I wanted to initially like be a criminal psychologist, like the FBI. So, I needed to get three years of professional experience. And I also wasn't 23 at the time, or that's by that time when I initially thought about it. I actually, I guess I was 23, but I still needed three years professional experience. So I decided to join the Navy to get my student loans taken care of and travel around the world and gain um, more experience. And I was initially supposed to work in Intel, but my recruiter told me I couldn't get a security clearance, which is odd because I didn't join with a waiver and both my parents are from the United States. So that was uh, interesting. Like, I mean, after I did become a recruiter, so I knew a little bit, got some more information about like what really happened. But, um, you know, I was an AO, so aviation ordinance and uh, went on down to a school down in Pensacola. Um then got stationed in Washington State, which was an interesting time, to say the least. Like, I 
everyone's like, oh, Washington is beautiful. It's a great place. And I'm like, I grew up in Colorado. Like, it's not that impressive to me personally. Okay. Uh, and it's, the sun doesn't come out enough for my liking. So that was something that's completely different than what I grew up um, in the environment at least I grew up in. So there's that. And then I spent probably about 70% of my first five years on the boat out to sea so that wasn't very enjoyable either <laughs> well uh yeah you know do do one deployment and then you get back and you're there for i don't know a couple weeks and like hey guess what guys you're gonna have to go out again so that was rough you were on the flying uh, ship right uh i mean yeah you get old uh john c spinning what what was your uh what was what was boot camp like for you since you were already an adult when you joined um, for me, like I, did, I thought boot camp was a cakewalk. Personally, um, if you can read and pay attention to detail, boot camp won't be that difficult. Uh, the hard part is just like being away from your regular support system. So, like, if you have a bad day, you can like call your best friend or you know, talk to one of your parents or your significant other, and like just get that time like recharge and start over. But in boot camp, like you kind of get thrust in there. I guess in the long run, it helps prepare for like life on the ship because you're stuck with those 90 other dudes for too much time frame and you have to move over things quickly. Whereas like normally you get a chance to like recharge, but you don't get that. And for me, it was just more so annoying just to hear people complaining about like frivolous things. Um, but then after a while, like, you just kind of get into a routine. You just get used to, like, the schedule. Um, I'd say, like, the worst part is just being stuck there. Like, the food wasn't so terrible. I mean, my uh, divisional chief was a douchebag, but uh, he, he, like, he was just mean to people, like, for, like, seemingly for no reason, but. Like, you just get used to, like, making, like, little stuff makes you laugh. Like, I had never, like, most of my friends are athletic. So, like, when I got to boot camp, being around other people that weren't so athletic, it's just interesting to see somebody not be able to do a jumping jack or, you know, a push-up. Like, I mean, I get it, not everybody can do, like, 100 and stuff like that. Neither could I. Like, I'm not going to cry, so there's no reason. But not to be able to do a singular push-up is interesting. I bet you could. Wow. Um, <laughs> I certainly then, wouldn't make it in boot camp then. Um, then you have like you know people like the showering thing. Like you got five minutes to be in and out of the bathroom. Like you know, normally in my like regular life, I, I got time to turn my music on, get all prepared. Now it's like, hey, you got to hurry up, get in and out, and you got like a billion people trying to change clothes. Marshall Tucker, yeah, and. Freaking got people trying to shave their pubes while you're in the shower with a bunch of other people. Wait, 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 wait. You had guys in boot camp that were still manscaping? Yeah. I'm like, who? Who's going to see you besides all the other people in our division? Somebody was getting some pictures. Somebody was working. I mean, whatever they were doing in the laundry room or in the showers or bathroom at night. So pick me up, but like, while I don't care if you want to groom yourself, um, could you do this at another time? And like, you can't take that razor and now try to put it up to the shower head. Like, 
your pubes are gonna spray everywhere. That's disgusting. Like, not cool. Um, so that was interesting. And then seeing people who've never seen snow for the first time kind of like walk on the ice. I remember one time we were marching and our, <laughs> our chief, he, he said something. He like turned around too quickly and fell. I cried laughing. Uh, he didn't think it was too funny, but <laughs> I, I just get in trouble for laughing all the time. I just feel like it's easier to just just laugh things off. Like, you know, you're already stuck in the situation. You might as well make the best of it. So humor is what helped me out in boot camping. That's not really what they, they don't really want you laughing at a whole bunch of stuff, but I didn't care. <laughs> did, did you have like a, did you have like a welcome to the Navy moment? Was there any moment? I mean, it, maybe it wasn't even boot camp, but just something on the boat. Actually, like when you first get off the bus and they have you go inside the building and then like they're all just yelling at you or even start like at the airport and yelling like, look down, don't do this, sit like, Indian style. I'm like, why are you tripping, man? What the fuck? Like, calm down. It's, it's really not that serious. You can just simply ask me to go over there and sit down. Like, I, I don't need to be yelled at. I'm not sick. Um, but like that was the, I guess, one of the hardest parts. Another like part of difficult is just you can't like respond the way you normally would in your like previously. Like I mean, I was when I actually did finally go to boot camp. I think I was like maybe twenty three or twenty four. So it's like at this point, like I I'm grown and my daddy doesn't talk to me like that. <laughs> I'm not necessarily trying to just let some stranger just go off the handle yelling at me for no reason, seemingly because I didn't round the corner the correct way or because I didn't write a letter in your rookie, rookie recruit handwriting the correct way or some nonsense. It's like, it's not, but when you think about it, I guess in bigger picture, it's like, okay, if I can't get you to just follow these simple instructions, it translates over to when you're handling million dollar equipment or, you know, on standing on a gun watch or something like that. Can you follow these simple instructions to not injure somebody or, necessarily protect other people's livelihood so it took a little bit like when you're in boot camp you don't think about it like that but when you get out and you're like after i had been in for a little while i was like oh you know i guess that that does make sense but like you know i got in trouble once because i was on ship staff and basically the ship staff you clean the whole like quote-unquote ship and you loot people coming in and out um like the chiefs and other rdcs and stuff when they're coming inside the building um, you help like take do like colors and stuff like that. But my uh postmate folded my um uh, garment bag or tea bag or something like that incorrectly. And I came back and my chief was like, You're off ship staff. I was like, Okay. Like, or I and I laughed and he was like <laughs> he's like, You always think shit's fucking funny and I was like, I mean, I literally just walked back into the compartment and he just told me I'm off ship staff. He was like, You're a fucking douchebag. <laughs> Okay. Mm. <laughs> I I literally said okay and laughed. It's kind of it's kind of heavy. I was like, well, like, well, I didn't do anything to you, man. Why are you Why are you upset? Like, he's like, you didn't even fold your stuff right. You're gonna sell an inspection, and he went inside of my like, you know, you lift the racks up or whatever. Um, and like he took everything out of my out of the like my rack and threw it on the floor. And it took every ounce of energy in me to not fucking punch him in the face. I was mm. infuriated. Because first off, you know, you got to like, 
fold all that stuff a certain way. Everything has to be placed inside of the rack a, a special way. And because somebody else folded something incorrectly, you thought it would be cool to take everything out of there and throw it on the floor. Now, not only do I have to refold everything, now I have to do this all over again. And if it wasn't felt like folded correctly the first time, what made you think that now doing that was going to make you want to do things the correct way now? Like, I was so angry. Like, I bought my fist up, and he, was, I just took a step back and, like, calmed down. And, like, he didn't say anything else to me for, like, a couple weeks after that because he was just like, well, maybe I, I pushed him a little too far. And then, consequently, he wound up being on the ship when I got there. I was on a track watch. He walked by. Like, Armstrong, and I was like, oh, this dude. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you just can't get rid of me now. And I'm like, I mean, I don't really want to interact with you, but. Did you ever get put at attention by somebody? Did you ever get put at attention by a chief or an officer? Uh, not directly, but like in boot camp or just throughout my entire career. Or oh yeah, like post boot camp because I feel like we all got we all got put at attention in boot camp. Oh, um, uh, no, like I actually have never even been written up before. <laughs> nice. Which is interesting that I'd never been written up for anything because I, uh, I learned that, like, in the way to get along in the Navy is just eliminate unnecessary conversations. But at the same time, if someone is being rude or demeaning to you, um, you have to make them become unprofessional first. And then you can say what you want to say because when they go to write the report, they have to address how you got to that point. They can't just be like, oh, he just came in and cussed me out. I mean, they could, but. If you don't have a history of ever like having disciplinary issues or anything like that, people are gonna wonder what did you do to like piss him off to that point. So I learned to just be very condescending, and you can't write somebody up for being condescending. And it worked out well for me. I got told once by one of my first classes that I was like I think I was an airman at the time, and he was like, "Your attitude and demeanor does not warrant your rank." And he's like, you know, when you actually have progressed to that point, then, you know, you can say a lot more things that you say now and it won't be an issue. And I was like, well, I mean, just because you are a first class or a chief, does that mean that it gives you the right to just talk to people or treat them any type of way? Like, I'm still a person. And I get this. I can respect your rank, but I don't have to respect you as an individual. Um, so that was one of the things that, like, I guess helped me out throughout my time um in service and like the boat was just an interesting experience it wasn't that i didn't like it that much just because i like to keep to myself and there's zero privacy on the boat the food's kind of garbage um especially if you work nights mid racks is awful um and you learn that a lot of people have piss poor hygiene (laughs) uh there's a lot of people that just like how how do you have a significant other and you live like this like their racks are gross not showering or people who get in their work all day and they get in their rack in the side of their uniform like how, why like that's gross like, but um so racks uh kind of like where you sleep it's basically like looks like a, a piece of a wrestling mat and kind of like bunk beds i guess you can say that but it's stationaries that are stacked three high um 
and they open up and you can like store stuff inside of them and then you can get a standalone locker some of the other ones do but if your rack doesn't open then you can get like a bigger locker um yeah um then after the the boat experience i went recruiting um so i got to you know see the the other side that people are always like recruiters are terrible people and they just throw people over and i'm not saying there aren't people that do but in order for you to be a successful recruiter you kind of sort of have to blur the lines on a lot of things um and not necessarily tell anybody to do anything illegal but you give them the opportunity or choice to make decisions on their own so um like you can't tell somebody like slightly omit this information but you tell them hey Whatever, like you're filling out your medical form, it's like, hey, listen, anything you put on here, they say yes, answer. You need to now go get medical documentation to prove it. We got to submit it so you can come back with an approved medical waiver. So while I'm not telling you to say no to anything, I'm telling you that if you do have a yes answer outside of like I wear contacts and glasses or I smoke or something like that, then you need to get documentation to prove that it's not an issue moving forward. So once you say that, I never once told you to lie. I just told you that this is the situation. So from there, um, people can formulate their own decisions. Um, and it's more so of a, a numbers game as, as how it, like from the hierarchy looking up, looking down, they don't really care about the person. But it's like you're not the one that has to develop a relationship with the individual. So my target market, I'm a high school student. Um, you have to do less work usually not a lot of waivers and things involved with that but you're also understanding that you know you're taking on somebody that they're 17 18 years old and things that you might think is like why are you even stressing about this you got to put yourself back in the mindset okay well when you were in high school was this a big deal but luckily like the navy is a sausage test so when you're trying to like i guess relate to people you think about it from this standpoint like what are guys really into the majority like especially in high school uh at least mainly the people that i work with sports video games money girls and family well the navy can offer you all those things <laughs> there's a whole bunch of gamers there's a lot of people that are into sports or athletics or working out um you definitely do get to travel I and mean, you can make decent money um if you learn how to budget and the more you progress in rank, you do get paid a lot more depending on where you're in. Um, and as far as like the women part goes, uh, I mean, there are a lot of ladies or guys that are in the military that are friendly, quote unquote, or, you know, when you go to different courts, some people choose to spend a little money on those type of activities. Um, <laughs> that's their personal choice um, can get expensive, but just be careful. So with the recruiting, I did enjoy. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was talking to the. I was talking to our producer here. I thought she. Oh. I thought she had muted me. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. She would be kind of hard to deal with. Hey now. <laughs> I mean, uh, but yeah through the recruiting realm uh i did learn like i actually really enjoy helping people um just like the mentorship portion of it and just guiding people and like giving them like raw information about my experience in the navy um are you able to tell us a story of like 
a recruiter that did some really shady stuff while you were working? Like, was there another recruiter that you worked with? Do you have any stories from like a dirty recruiter? Um, I mean, I'm not, I guess people in my division, I can tell you about them. Uh, just people, um, they make false promises to people. Tell them like you got McDonald's on the ship, or you know, no Starbucks. way. Are you serious? McDonald's on the ship? Yeah, someone no, said that. Not, yeah, that's what they tell the kids, and it's like, come on, or like the promise that you can just change your job whenever you want to. No. So these and, aren't these aren't like misguiding. This is just flat lying. Oh, that's yeah, blank, blank, just lying. Wow. That's, and it, I mean, that's disappointing. It, it works obviously to get your volume and get more people in because they're like oh my god get all these things and i'm like don't lie like my thing is don't lie to these kids or it adults or whoever because like you don't know who like you're you're setting people up for failure and it's kind of hard to sell something that's not tangible like if you go to the, a car dealership you can see the car test drive it decide if it fits for you or not but like when you join the military you're as a recruiter you're selling a lifestyle and I would not want to be the person that like ruined somebody else's life or not necessarily they made the choice to join, but by if you're getting somebody to do something on misguided information, then that's not fair to the individual, especially like parents are entrusting you as the first wife. Cause I went recruiting in Wisconsin. Like there's not a huge Navy presence there. I mean, like Great Lakes is not that far away. If you live closer to the Milwaukee side, but there isn't, like you are the first line of anything they see Navy related. So it's the first, your first, I guess, initial step into the military or Navy is a person who lied to you that has put the bad taste in your mouth, which career will move forward. And then you have people that are bitter right when they get to boot camp because they were lied to by the recruiter. And then now you're, they're stuck in a, a job that doesn't fit them. And it's just a, a, a real shitty situation. And now you have four years of somebody who's just disgruntled, embittered, angry, and they don't want to be there, which that translates to now you have somebody who just promotes or creates more of a negative environment. Um, and nobody wants that. So you want to have all these people that are like, if maybe if you don't like everybody you work with, because that's unrealistic to assume that you enjoy every single person that you have to work with day to day. But if you enjoy your job, did that make things a little more tolerable? I have a cultural question for you. Okay. I think that it's hard to describe to some people that weren't in the service where our potty mouths come from. Can you, because <laughs> Rico Armstrong has like seven degrees and counting. So very, very studied and articulate man. Please, please tell the people like what happens to us when we go into the service and so, so I think it starts in boot camp. Um, like you don't really get to talk that much outside of like when you know the RDCs or you know are not around, but they curse at people, and then like you just get so used to it, and then it just becomes like second nature to you. You don't notice how much you do curse until you get around people that are not in the service, and then you're like. I've been saying fuck a lot or shit or, you know, it just becomes ingrained in it. And then like, you know, people say, get your shit together or you call people like there's shit bags or, uh, which is basically a, tame, a term for like a lazy person who doesn't work um, 
or they're dirty or something like that. But when you when you think about like when you get in trouble, the first thing that people say is you motherfuckers are doing this. You gotta get your fucking shit together. You gotta get kicked the fuck out. <laughs> and it's like that's how people communicate. And it's like, man, wow. Like now, you know, when like after being on the ship and then translating into like now recruiting side of things, you can't go into people's house like communicating with their parents like that or even talking to somebody because it is basically an interview. So you have to learn to like tailor it back. But it was exciting when you like parents will cuss at you, not cuss at you, but cuss during the conversations. And you're like, yeah, now I can finally say a cuss word. I won't feel like I'm the bad person. Like you have to like, again, wait for them to not necessarily become a professional in that setting, but just to say something off kilter. And then you can now feel like you're having a regular conversation with them as opposed to just feeling like a complete salesperson. Do you feel, Um, do you feel like you can trust people better that cuss a lot? Um, I wouldn't say trust them better, but like, I I would say maybe they're a little more authentic, I guess. So not necessarily that they're more trustworthy, just that they are being maybe more so being themselves, but even them being themselves, it still could be deceitful or like not the most trusting individual. Like for as many of the great relationships I've, develop with people in the service i've also met some really awful people they like i never want to talk to ever again in my life and there who, are who great are they? people who are they let's name them <laughs> let's break some freaking news right here on naf radio <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm not going to sit here and bash anybody directly uh just had some really bad leadership and either just not people that weren't in leadership just other peers dave that Huh? Dave. Dave. Dave, Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just uh, just bad situations. Um, but, you know, I think over the time that I've been in or had been in service, like I learned a lot about myself. I got a lot of different certifications. As you mentioned earlier, I did finish uh, another degree. Um, and you know, I got to travel. I've lived in a few different states now. Um, I actually got to live overseas for a little while, which is a unique experience. Like, it's different. Like, I had been there to Bahrain, uh, like, on a deployment, but, like, actually physically living there, um, it's a lot more Americanized than people think. Uh, it's really hot, to say the least. Um, but I... I would say it was a good experience just trying to learn other people's cultures, um, just be conscientious of that. And it's interesting. Like I think a lot of people go like at least military people, they go over there and they're like, you know, why can't they just do this? Why can't they do that? I'm like, you're not in America anymore. You're in somebody else's country. So you're asking them to adapt to you. But in retrospect, you need to adapt to them. Or like, it's kind of hard for me to understand them. Like, well, this isn't their first language. So you have to, get like they're trying to communicate with you the best way possible it's like you never make fun of somebody for speaking broken english like that clearly that they're they speak a different language and they're trying to get level with you to have a better understanding what's your favorite port Ooh, uh probably thailand and i say that because anything that you can think about doing 
that you can do in Thailand and it might be legal or it might not be legal, but you're less likely to get caught for it because they have a little looser with their rules and regulations there. Uh, I've seen a lot of, I mean, I went to a ping pong show and not like Forrest Gump ping pong. Um, yeah, they just, interesting ladies uh, are shooting things out of their vaginas. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to tell them. It, it's just, like, yeah, I've seen darts come out of there, birds, like razor blades. Ew. Uh, razor yeah. blades? I didn't even see that one. I was like, oh, wow. And it's like, I, hmm. Oh, and also don't ever sit in the front row. Like, if you're going to go to one of those shows, you will most likely be a participant. And You need some safety goggles. Yeah, you might not want. Maybe sit like a <laughs> row or two back. That would be a better way to go. Um, watch out for the kids there. They seem friendly, but they are aggressive and try to steal and haggle. And like, most of them know, like, kickboxing or some Muay Thai or something like that. So it wouldn't be wise to engage into, like, an altercation with them. Um, but it is really cheap. Like, I mean, I think I stayed at a five-star hotel there, and it was like maybe I don't know, fifty bucks or something like that. I think I spent maybe I think I spent like two hundred dollars American, but it was like three thousand dollars of their money in the four days that I was there. So, I mean, I had a great time. Oh hell yeah, dude! That's what's up. So tell the people. That- Tell the people the success story that you've become because you're out now. You got out in uh, November. In February. Um, yeah, so um, I got out in February. Like I just spent my last time overseas and I had orders to go to Japan. Um, and I was like, you know what? I want to take a different turn in my life. Like I've always wanted to help people. Like I said earlier that I was going to school for criminal psychology or crim- to be a criminal psychologist, but um, I wanted to do like focus on like mental health and like substance abuse. And over the time of me being in service, I was suicide prevention coordinator. Um, I did like Taylor's Against Destructive Decisions. Um, like I, I did a lot of mentorship things just because I see a lot of people who struggle with mental health or mental health and they just don't feel like they have anybody that actually cares. It's actually going to like sit there and listen to their story or even like try to not necessarily like coddle them, like give them like cookie cutter ass answers, like, oh, you're going to be okay. Everyone goes through this. Like, no, that shit doesn't work. That's, you need to actually like get down to the root of like what's actually bothering somebody and like listen to them and just say, you know, it sucks. Like, it'd be, I've had my issues with like anxiety and depression and things of that nature. And it, it does feel like sometimes you can go down a dark hole and just feel like you're alone. But there's a lot of people that like just focus on the mission and not want to understand it. Like if the person themselves isn't in a good, or they aren't in a good place and like it's going to be hard for them to dedicate their time and energy to like doing a better job. Um, so now I, uh, I got out and I work for a uh, substance abuse and mental health treatment organization. And I am uh, the compliance manager. Um, so essentially my, my job is to help us um, basically not lose our insurance and make sure we're complying with like HIPAA laws and regulations. Um, I write contracts, uh, do investigations, I do audits. Um, I'm in charge of our supplies. I write policies and procedures. 
Um, I am the chair of our safety committee. Um, yeah, I do a lot of various different things and basically whatever my boss asked me to do. Um, I would ultimately like to, like I had started going to school to try to get my PhD in psychology. Um, just so I, like maybe one day might want to open my own practice or um, just actually be a, a direct line. Like I don't have a client facing position right now. I just do stuff behind the scenes, but I work a lot of people who work um, on the program side. I'm more on the administrative side as of right now. But like we have like, I don't know, we have like 13 different programs um, that I'm somewhat responsible for overseeing to make sure that we don't do anything that violates laws. So, yeah, um, I mean, after I got out, I was just trying to think like what I really want to do, um, where I want to move to. Uh, I do enjoy like sunshine and being warm, but uh, my partner lives in, well, from Minnesota and uh, I decided to come here to be with him. And so, you know, now I'm here. It's snowing earlier today, but I'm, I'm happy. And we're going to get Patrick on real soon. Patrick's our, uh, Patrick's going to be on one of our realtor entrepreneur episodes, ladies and gentlemen. So definitely tune in for that. Uh, Mr. Armstrong, thank you so much for calling in to NAF radio. We appreciate it so much. We're going to cut this up, chop it, and then we'll have it published for a uh, veterans day release. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, awesome, Rico. man. Thanks a lot, dude. All right. No problem. See you, man. Bye. Thank you guys for tuning in to part one of our Veterans Day special. We wanted to remind everybody this week to vote. We also want to thank Rico Armstrong and Martin Yim. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and being our uh, first Veterans Day interviews. Thank you so much. And don't forget that next Sunday we will have part two where we interview Cody and Jessica Tracy, and again, like I said before, my all-time favorite interview of my entire life, Mac. You're so sweet. Babe, what's our what's our social media handles? How do people get a hold of us? You can find us at Instagram, NAF underscore radio. That is also our Twitter, uh, Facebook, NAF radio. And then we have our Gmail, niceafradio at gmail.com. And then don't forget, check out our website, nafradio.com. Give us a follow. If you don't, I'm inclined to think you are a hater.